Welcome to another episode of Page Turner. I am joined today with um, Shane, Reverend Shane Page. Kevin is not with us. Um, he is off this week visiting family, but today um, Shane and I will be um, discussing some hot topics, I guess. Um, so Shane, the last time we spoke, it was last Wednesday, and um, the astronauts were supposed to ascend, have ascension. <laughs> we were joking about ascension, yeah. um, and they didn't. They didn't blast off on Wednesday. And we were thinking, oh gosh, here we go again. Every time we say something, they're not gonna. It won't happen. And then it finally happened on Saturday. Were you able to watch? Did you watch any of it? I did not watch any of it. I did read about it though. <laughs> okay. Well. It was pretty cool. We had our whole family watching it, the cat, the dog, even all the kids. I mean, we were, it was pretty emotional. It was pretty cool to see them launch off. And so now uh, Doug and Bob are up in space and everything went well. Thank God. Um, so that's some good news that absolutely that given this time of the last, gosh, the last three months have just been really something. And, um, I saw a meme the other day and it said something about this episode of the twilight twilight zone. Like I'm ready for the twilight zone to be over. And it really has been, don't you think that like this is, yes, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's been a difficult time for all of us. Uh, I think many of us could be feeling a disillusionment. Um, nevertheless still see God very much at work. You know, I, I want to say once again, and I, it maybe sound like a broken record, but that we had that launch occur and that we're mesmerized by it is yet another indication of how God has wired us to explore uh, the things of the universe. You know, there's, there's an innate sense within human beings that we know we don't yet know everything we need to know. And <laughs> moving forward. We're always looking for something new to explore. And uh, God has given human beings the capacity. I mean, look at through, the, through the, the, the marbles of what happened over the weekend that we can actually construct something and leave our very planet itself and, and explore it. This is what God has wired us to because we're ultimately seeking the truth. We want to know as human beings, everything about everything. Now, what the scholastics and the, uh, the ancient philosophers understood is that the reason we're constantly looking for new things or exploring new things is because truth itself is summoning us. We don't just want to know one thing. We want to know all these things. And every time we discover something, it leads to new questions and then those new questions lead to new investigations, which leads to new questions. So we're always moving forward. Ultimately, from a Christian standpoint, we would say we are seeking truth itself and truth itself is God. That's what we're ultimately after. And that is why the church should always be behind things like space exploration. It's fascinating. And it helps us to uh, understand more fully the intelligibility of the universe. It makes sense. There are things that, that work. There, there is an order there because it's ultimately created by God's infinite reason, God's mind. It should have intelligibility because it was made by intelligence. So just a little riff for you to start things out. And I guess 
since uh, Kevin is not here today, we don't have the Turner. I guess we're just all going to stay on the same page. Is that right? Can we just say sure. that? We're, we're just all on the same today. page today? Okay. We're stuck on one page. We can't turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, he was gonna. He he did say he was gonna start, or he was gonna have Isaac start working on the music for us. So you know, maybe eventually, maybe that could be his summer project is coming up with some some good music for our intro and outro. But um, yeah, so without Kevin here, we're just we're we're kind of on one page today. Um, that is interesting that you kind of bring up how we're always seeking the truth, and I feel like everything currently going on in the world or, or in our country um, which with George Floyd um, that people are trying to seek truth. And um, on Sunday in, in the um, worship service, you made a statement. Um, it was not part of your sermon. You kind of separated that because you wanted to address it as its own thing. And in your statement, you were referring to the New Testament and you said that the battle is never against flesh and blood or against individual people or groups of people. Our battle is against ideologies like racism and the powers of violence that drive human behavior in the battle. And that really stuck with me. Um, I feel like we do get caught up in that, that um people against people, but it's not. It's the behavior of people and their ideologies that are driving the end result of, of hurting people. Um, it's, it's really hard right now. I am really, I'm kind of in a spot where I'm just sad, just really, really sad that we're in 2020 and that this is still happening. Um, and that we act like this, that people act like this. And I know for myself, um, I feel like I do treat everybody equally. I don't see it, see an issue. I don't treat anybody differently. However, I feel like that's still not enough, that there's more, I don't know yet. I, I've, I've been very limited on my social media, but what I do see, it's it's so much everywhere, and, and I do feel like things need to change, but it's a very, very, I'm just very sad that this is happening, and to see the violence on all ends, um, it's just, it's really sad. Uh, you, you bring up another number of things that we can talk about. Um, I do want us to emphasize uh, what I said as being really important during this conversation, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Now, those are words directly taken from Ephesians chapter six. That's in the New Testament where Paul says those words, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not against people. That's not really what we're up against, our human beings. It he goes on to say it's the powers and principalities. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the soup in which people are swimming, in other words, um, the things that drive human behavior, such as what we could say today, ideologies um, and, and some of the powers of violence. That's what we're up against. 
And what tends to happen in these circumstances is that instead of addressing the ideologies that drive us, that make us think the way that we do, and when we think the way that we do, we respond in proportionate ways to how we think, instead of addressing those, then we begin to ascribe blame on people or on groups of people. And none of us can deny you know, the history, for instance, of racism in our country, but there's a lot of other isms we can address, right? We, 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 we can be after you know, people who are greedy, for instance, right? Someone who's greedy. Well, there's an ideology at work among us all the time. It's a soup that we swim in all the time that's called consumerism or conspicuous consumerism. So we blame somebody for being greedy. You're this way, but actually what's behind the behavior, that's what needs to be addressed, which is the sense that I never have enough, that life and the happiness of life and the pursuit of happiness is about the consumption of things. So racism is just one more ideology. And so when we see a white person or a black person or, or, or a person of any kind of skin color, we focus on the surface. But we never ask the question of why do we see the world that way? That's the battle, not against the, the people themselves. And I think that's an important. Uh, and I also have been thinking more uh, about this and, and it may take me a minute to explain what, I'm, what I mean. I, I think that Jesus in a circumstance like this would ask all of us to look at this situation from a 30,000 foot perspective. Um, Jesus understood what I just said better than any of us, that it's ideologies that drive us. What, what Jesus would say to us is that all of us are implicated in the same ideology of, of retaliation and violence as a tool used to generate peace. I have, to, I have to get my way. I have to impose my will to get peace. Um, and so the violence that we have seen when Mr. Floyd was subdued, and then the violence of the rioters, for instance, the looters, Jesus would say they're both the flip side of the same coin. They're both implicated in swimming in the wash of this idea that violence is the controlling power of our world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that we actually have to address that. Why are we so violent? That's what drives us. I do think um, that's the reason Jesus rejected the zealot option. You know, let's just take over Israel, the kingdoms by force. Well, force can create a regime change. You know, it can change who's in power but it doesn't change how they exercise their power. It's still the power of violence behind both options that's at work. That's what Jesus would want us to address. Uh, Rene Girard, uh, one of my, uh, I, I was introduced to Rene Girard. He's a French philosopher, he's thought over the last five years. And he noticed that human behavior in times of conflict, they all seem, all human beings of every nation, every, every uh, creed, we all seem to react the same way, and that is through what he called the scapegoat mechanism. The communities that we're in conflict with each other, what ends up happening is that human beings then begin to unite together. These, these people who are in conflict, they begin to unite around a common enemy, and they project all of their hostilities on a common enemy or a group of people as the enemy, and think that if we can just expel them, get rid of them, 
scapegoat them out, then peace will be restored. And this is exactly what we can see now. We're taking sides in some in some areas. You're seeing this on social media. I mean, where everything's being politicized, that's the scapegoat mechanism at work, where we you are we are uniting around people that we perceive to be our enemies and think, well, if we could just get rid of them, uh, then peace will be restored. But the truth is, peace is never restored. <laughs> that mm-hmm. that cycle just continues to be recycled over and over and over. Uh, and Jesus calls us to nonviolence. Jesus calls us to a loving application of justice so that we are removed from this tendency to pit ourselves against others and thinking that if we just expel, just expel, just expel, then peace will be restored. It's a very long-winded answer, but what I want us to hear is we've got to get to the root of what's happening, not just to the surface. Right. Well, and I also feel like you said, the anger and the wrath. So I tell my children, cause they're, you know, they're younger and I say, it's okay to have these feelings. You're mad, you're sad, you're okay. It's, it's normal to have these feelings about, you know, anything, not just this issue, but you know, if you're upset because your sister did something to you, it's okay to be mad. But how you manage that feeling is where, you know, where, we have to control ourselves. You know, you can't just get mad at somebody and, you know, slam the door and take, you know, whatever, have a little temper temper tantrum. But so I kind of feel like that's the approach we all need to take is I don't see anybody working together. And I, I could be wrong in this, but I just feel like nobody's trying to work together to resolve this century-long issue, and I think people are better, but I, I just, it's, yeah, I, I, it's so hard because this is such, this has been in our country for so long, and I feel well, like Over 400 now, years, over 400 yeah. years, yeah. And now, with social media, and everybody with their own cameras, and news that doesn't necessarily report facts, but more opinions in their own agendas, that it's hard. like if this happened, you know, 30 years ago, it would have been completely different. I don't even think it would have been an issue because 30 years ago, it would have never had been filmed. And, and so like you look at technology and how that has played in these recent cases, because, you know, you, you, you people are watching everywhere. So, it's um, when you say that about the violence, it's very hard. Like, that's not the answer. And I don't no. understand why people can't see that. Because, well, it's, it's kind of like uh, when you look through a window, uh, uh, you know, you get up close to a window and you look outside, you forget that you're actually looking through the window and the w- window is actually shaping how you see the outside. Mm-hmm that close to the powers of of violence and coercion. This is just how humans tend to operate. We think that this is the way the world has to go. The through coercion, the imposition of the will, we have to, we, we, we have to back away and go, Oh, this is what's driving some of this. I would say though, that there are people who are trying to work together on this. Yeah. And it goes back to the, uh, 
the argument or proposition or really just a truth that I had said weeks ago at a sermon, have said many times that God can make a good come out of a great evil. The, the, the death of George Floyd, was that God's will for the world? Absolutely not. It's an evil. I do think, though, God can generate good from this. Um, and I think you are seeing it in those who are peacefully trying to dialogue with each other, peacefully trying to affect a good change in how we understand justice itself and its application. I think that's where the good can come from uh, through this. And um, that's where I'm keeping my focus. You know, Fred Rogers was famously, he said, in times of chaos, always look for the helpers. Yep. Please look for the helpers because those are your, your windows of hope. Yeah. That's where God is at work. And of course, they're negotiating this, the peaceful protesters, they're negotiating this nonviolently. Correct. And that's how good outcomes will come. Right. So one of the, a few of the things that I've seen going around is about, you know, it starts at home. You know, it's like starts with the heart and then it starts in the home and having those conversations as a family in your home. And then it changes the world kind of thing. Um, I know you have two children, um, Jordan and Davis. And um, what kind of conversations have you been having with them about this? Well, we've had conversations with our children like this for a while. And I would say that, you know, what people will say to me, well, what am I supposed to do? We've got to do something. Start small, start with the very people in your home. Again, if our battle is against ideologies, which is simply a way of seeing the world, we've got to help our children see the world through Christ, to see the world as he sees the world uh, and not be implicated in these forces of, of, of violence, the isms, you know what I mean? By the isms of the world, mm -hmm. we can all start there. We have uh, had these conversations with our children for years uh, to get them to, to understand that all people are created in the image of God I talk to my son all the time about the toys that fascinate him, um, the violent superheroes. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the noble heroes like Superman or Spider-Man, how, how are they generating peace? How do they do it? Well, they just uh, use violence in a uh, greater way than the, the villain, but both of them are implicated in the powers of violence. It's not changing anything. I think it was Walter Wink. Uh, he was a um, Christian theologian who called it redemptive violence, the myth of redemptive violence. We think violence will redeem us. And yet Jesus died nonviolently. Non it was actually nonviolence, his life that redeemed us. So I try to get my son especially to see that, wow, this matters. I mean, you're, you're learning at a very young age that this is how the world is supposed to work. And this is what heroes are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Supposed to punch you, um, they just have a more righteous punch <laughs> than maybe the villain, but they're still punching each other. And, and to get them to back away to see how this shapes our imagination. Um, and in, in a situation like this, we tell our children all the time, number one, the police officers, for instance, the vast majority. And I said this in my prayer, my statement on Sunday. The vast majority of police, you, you know some police, I know some police. These are men and women 
of incredible valor, of incredible courage. I try to tell my children, don't ever ascribe blame to one group of people for any of this. But we talk to them truthfully about the long struggle of African-Americans in this country. I'm clearly, definitely not the only one to have said this, but racism is, as many have said, historians, it is America's original sin. It has to be addressed, Mm -hmm. be discussed openly, and we have to be truthful about the plight of African-Americans in this this country for the last 400 years. Um, And I tell them, it's going to be up to your generation your generation is going to have to be a part of the solution here. And then it's going to be your uh, task to task your children to be the solution for the next generation. So those are some of the ways that we have tried to um, practice. We, we hope will be a, a more virtuous way of seeing reality. I agree. It's, it's, um, I think it's still really hard for us because we live in this area. So we are, we are, we, we don't have a lot of minorities in our area. Um, my children don't have a lot in school. So I also feel like, you know, we, we lead by example. My parents, you know, we never sat down and had talks about it growing up, but I, you know, everybody was treated equally and they showed me that everybody was treated equally. And so I never knew anything different and everybody was treated equally. So, um, I feel like, you know, again, we haven't really had those talks with our children, but we just treat everybody equally. So I asked each of them um, the other day, you know, what do you know about this George Floyd stuff going on? Because I hadn't really, we hadn't talked about it. I know they heard about it. And, um, you know, they each, I asked each of them individually and each one of them had kind of a similar answer, but different Um but was interesting to me was that they never said it was a black man that was killed by a white cop. Like they never used those words and that they was, it was more about this guy. They don't really know he maybe had a gun or he wrote a bad check. Like they didn't really know why he was arrested. They don't really, they didn't really know. They knew that he should not have been killed because there was no reason for him to have been killed, but they didn't have the knowledge to know about the racial issue that was involved with this case. And I thought that was interesting. And then I just kind of asked them, you know, do you feel like people should be treated differently based on their, their skin color? And they were like, well, of course not mom, you know, like duh, everybody's treated the same. So it's kind of like, all right, they, they get it. And they, and, you know, my one daughter even changed her icon on TikTok to, you know, say Black Lives Matter. And, you know, she's all, so I'm kind of like, okay, like they know it just from, you know, people treating everybody equally, but I still don't know if it's going to be enough. You know, I, I don't know if it's enough. Well, Let's go back to our original premise about how we all swim in a soup or go back to the image of the window. We're so close to the window. We don't realize we're looking through a window when we look outside, if it's really, if we're really close to it. The question that I would want to pose is 
why then are we not really around minority people, as you just said? Okay. Mm -hmm. Why, for instance, as just an obvious example, do uh, most white Christians worship separately from African-American Christians? Well, you have to ask the question, where does that come from? The easy re uh, response, which is the wrong one, is to say, well, we just are naturally this way. We just have different styles. We would just rather prefer to live, uh, worship separately, maybe live separately. Wrong. That too is a legacy of slave culture. You know, actually, uh, I learned this in seminary that uh, white Methodists and black Methodists did worship together uh, when, when the movement began. But then over a period of time, they were to be separate because uh, the worship of exuberant whites, you know, when, when, when white people were becoming exuberant in church, that was uh, appropriated to the culture of the slaves and, and whites should not worship that way. Hmm. So that too is a legacy, right? It's created by human beings so that we even have different zip codes where you would go and see a zip code where it's predominantly African-American and zip codes where it's predominantly white Americans. Again, that's created. That's, that's a legacy of slave culture in the United States of the Jim Crow era. We're so close to it, however, we don't see it. So again, as, as Christians, we have to back up and be able to assess the world. Why is it structured this way? You know, God did not say let the codes, you know, let, let there be different churches where, the, where, where people of different skin colors worship separately. We created that and it has an origin. And that's really what this is about. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever see change? Sure, we're seeing change all the time. Do we have a long way to go? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we have a long way to go. Um, but there has been, there, progress has been made, but we all have to recognize, especially those who have authority and, and, and power, and that we're still implicated in, in systems that if left unchecked, can tend toward injustice and that what the church is called to be is the corrective to say, wait a minute, this is not how God wants the world to be structured necessarily. And it takes self-sacrifice, a, a lot of discipline. Um, and I would just say uh, this is one last thing. Uh, and I mentioned this in my, in my statement that God has wired all of us for justice. Justice is one of the four cardinal virtues of Christianity. And I can't, <laughs> like justice, temperance. There's a couple of others I can't think right off the top of my head, but justice is a cardinal virtue. God has wired us for justice. We want a just world. When we see a wrong, we have an innate desire to right it. And in this situation, I would ask you, why do you think you found the image of George Floyd's death, seeing that as being so repugnant? Why did you respond that way? Because it was wrong. It was wrong. It was wrong. We, and, and we know it's wrong. We don't need someone to instruct us that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Not have happened. 
Well, I would say as a, from a theological standpoint, the reason all of us convulsed when we saw that is because God has wired us to know a wrong as a wrong. We don't need to be taught. We're wired to see that. And so let this be an opportunity for us to say, yeah, if God exists and since God exists, it therefore follows that God is a standard of rightness and wrongness. He has downloaded into us what is right and what is wrong. And that's why we react the way we do. If there is no God, uh, Karen, I would argue, and of course this, this episode right here, we can't possibly get into that. God doesn't exist. Then what happened to Mr. Floyd may have been wrong from a evolutionary standpoint or maybe from a societal standpoint, but, uh, but if God doesn't exist, I think you're gonna have a hard time saying that what happened to Mr. Floyd is absolutely fundamentally wrong. But because I believe God exists and because I believe God has wired every human being, whether they have any faith or, or not, because God has wired every human being for justice and to know a wrong when they see it, we can say that this is an absolute wrong, what happened to him, and therefore we should seek to address it. This is not how it ought to be, as I said. You know, Martin Luther King's great words, the, the isness versus the oughtness. We know this is not how it ought to be. There's got to be a better way. And as Christians, we're called now to address this in the name of justice, but to do this in a charitable, nonviolent way. Um, that's really what's our call right now. Amen. Very well said. Very well said. Um, we only have a few more minutes, but I just wanted to um, see if you had, um, on a different note, um, in our staff meeting the other yesterday, um, you had talked about the stoplight mentality. And I thought maybe that would be a good um, good thing to discuss right now, just real quick, a quick summary of, of how we as um, a church are looking at reopening mm -hmm. and kind of the stoplight mentality. That was a really good example. Well, the stoplight here being the traffic light that you would see at an intersection. Uh, yes, this is a, um, an analogy that I heard over the weekend that I thought was very fitting. And when it comes to reopening, uh, according to this illustration, you can break down the people in the church in really three categories. Right now, 20%, and we're just using rough averages. 20% of the church population right now is on the green light. They're ready to go. They're ready to come back to worship. Life is normal, and um, they want to go back to normal. 20% roughly there. The vast swath, though, of the population is, and about 60%, give or take, are on yellow. They're the yellow light people. These are the people who are cautious. They are practicing their own form of caution. They are taking precautions, and they're going to want to know before we come back to church, what kind of safety measures are going to be in place for us? 60%. 20% are red light people. These are people who will not come back. They will not be back at church until there is some kind of cure or vaccine. All of them legitimate. I mean, we're not discounting any of them. Here's the challenge, though. <laughs> 
The challenge is if 60% of the population is yellow and cautious, if they come to church and they see, just for the sake of illustration, green light people for whom the protocols are not as important, you could turn yellow light people into red light people. And then that would defeat your whole purpose of reopening. So it's an incredible challenge. And of course, I'm watching the numbers as everybody else. Numbers are still going up. So we're not we're not we're not ready to say, oh, let's let's reopen. But just for the people listening, keep that illustration in mind. And I bet you you could find in your family green light people, yellow light people and red light people. Yeah, it's 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 definitely we've had um, hours and hours and hours of conversations um, about reopening and what it's going to look like and how we can make it safe. And it's it's a moving it's a not a moving target, but it's just this like amoeba that just keeps evolving because there's so many elements to it and everything is changing. So, um, yes, but I think having that now, it helps us um, see what we can do to keep people in the yellow and the green coming and not making people turn red. So um, definitely, definitely was a good, good visual for me. I'm a visual person. Well, yeah. and I will say one more, one last thing is that uh, what I have told the staff is that our focus right now needs to be over quality instead of quickness. Yes. Quality over quickness. Let's do what we can do online with live streaming. Let's do all of these things well, as well as we can. And let's not be so quick to open the church when it may not be the right time. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> That's <laughs> with everybody. Oh, it's been a journey. So, well, for those watching and listening, thank you for joining us today. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss or have any questions, um, please email me at kpain at davidsonumc.org. Um, again, all of our past episodes are on the website, davidsonumc.org, and they're located under resources. Thank you all for watching and joining us and hope you have a great week. Uh -huh.